Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. light, versatile. What would we do without plastic? However, the world's over-reliance on plastic is creating serious problems with potentially devastating consequences, particularly for our oceans. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation estimates that by 2050, the amount of plastic in the ocean will outweigh the amount of fish in the ocean. With pioneering TV programs such as Blue Planet 2 highlighting the toxic impact of the plastic economy, people are being urged to change their plastic use behaviour. Former Chelmsford rugby club player Dawn Wood is passionate about the war on plastic and has decided to embark on the most astronomical of challenges to draw attention to it. She is going to row single-handedly across the Atlantic Ocean. As a skipper with the Essex Police Marine Unit, Dawn is no stranger to life on the water but even with her vast experience in her job, as well as her time in the Burnham on Crouch Rowing Club, this task represents a whole new challenge. In the ocean, Dawn could potentially face swirling winds, sharks, and wholly unpredictable waters as she bids to cross the Atlantic in a world record time. But if she completes the crossing after she sets off in January, she will be just one of six women to have succeeded. Brought to you by Essex Live, this is Humans of Chelmsford, and this is Dawn Wood's story. Dawn, it is a very warm welcome to the podcast and thank you for being our latest guest on this episode. How are you on this Wednesday afternoon? Thank you very much for having me. Um, Yes, I'm very well, thank you. That's always good and I suppose there's really only one place to start and that is the incredible, mad challenge you've set yourself (laughs) for the start of next year in 2019 Uh, and as I've mentioned in the intro to this episode you have decided to row across the Atlantic Ocean from Gran Canaria to Barbados and for those that don't know that is a trip of roughly 3,000 miles it's a mad task you're doing it solo and unsupported so the question that instantly jumps to mind uh, for me and for everyone is why (laughs) <laughs> Why do it to yourself? That is a very good question. <laughs> um, well, I actually started rowing um, back in 2014, and I'm now the chairman of the, our local rowing club. 
So that's how I first got into rowing. Um, through that, the president of our rowing club, he's a world record holder for um, ocean rowing. Uh, he's rowed the Atlantic uh, a couple of times. Um, just, a, just a little trip. <laughs> um, so got speaking to, to him and he was running a project teaching ocean rowing out in China, um, which he asked me to get involved in because um, I'm an instructor in uh, power boating and, and certain navigational things as well. Um, so I ended up going out to China, uh, teaching students out there, absolutely loved it. Um, and the more I was learning about it, by the end of the project, the end of the three years, um, I ended up coxing the, the rowing boats and actually being in charge of the rowing boats and uh, taking the, the students out in the, in the China Seas. And it's actually resulted in four of the girls um, the beginning of this year um, in a team called Kung Fu Cha Cha. Um, they, um, uh, they were the first Chinese team. I think they were the youngest um, female team as well uh, to row across the Atlantic. That, what an incredible thing for these girls to do. Uh, before the start of the project, they'd, they'd never even been on a boat. So um, just, just amazing. Um, from that, I got inspired to do something myself. Well, actually, since the start of the project, I wanted to row an ocean. Um, but the more I was getting into it, the more I realised this, this is, has to happen. Um, then I got friendly with a lady called uh, uh, Kiko Matthews, who's the current world record holder for the route that I'm going to be rowing. And uh, she's just an inspirational woman. She is incredible. Um, I got friendly with her while she was coming over to Burnham on Crouch to, uh, to do her training for her row. And... Um, then I got speaking to her after she came back. Um, so, yeah, she broke the world record. She currently has it set 49 days. And um, through speaking to her, I just realised, why, why, why am I sitting back and, and waiting for something to happen? What, what is it that I'm waiting for exactly? And I realised that if I want this to happen, I need to, to go ahead and do it. Um, I've been a commercial um, skipper. I've been working on the water commercially for uh, 16 years. Um, and throughout that time, the amount of rubbish and pollution that I've seen out on the water, um, plastics washing up on the, on the seawall. So the kind of, the two things sort of have intertwined themselves naturally. Um, so some of my aims for rowing across the Atlantic uh, one, I want to beat the world record. Sorry, Kiko, I love you. Um, <laughs> um, I want to beat the world record. I want to raise awareness for plastics in the ocean and try and encourage other people to reduce their single-use plastics. Um, and I want to inspire people as well. If I can inspire somebody even to do a, I don't know, a, um, a race for life or a fun run that they walk, um, it's just something out of their comfort zone getting people to achieve something so if I can inspire people to, to achieve something or try something they've never done before um, that'll be a really good result for my uh, incredible expedition as well yeah absolutely <laughs> and to put that expedition into some sort of perspective for people you would be one of only six women in the world to have completed it Kiko Matthews being one yes. of the other six yeah more people have been to space yes. than done it. More people have climbed Mount Everest yes. than have done it. So what is it about a challenge like this that makes it so, A, difficult and B, dangerous? Well, 
there so first of all what makes it so difficult is it's not just a case of training getting fit and going to do it um, you have to learn all about the navigation you have to learn all about the boat the ins and outs of it you you really have to be an engineer so if my water maker breaks i need to know how to fix it if the, some of the electrics goes down i need to know how to fix it so it's not just a, a fitness thing it's a survival mission it's learning how to be an engineer there's so many different aspects involved in it um, that you need to learn now luckily from my position being a commercial um, skipper I've got a lot of those skills and knowledge anyway so it's just building on on what I already know to be able to do it what makes it dangerous Um, well sharks that kind of springs to mind (laughs) first of all um, that didn't, I don't know why, but it didn't actually occur to me until I'd stamped on the line and said, yes, I'm going to do it. Then I suddenly thought, there's going to be sharks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, because the bottom of the boat will get furred up, so you have to get in and clean the bottom of the boat. You obviously stay attached to it. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so sharks is one. Um, dehydration, um, so that's a big risk if I get dehydrated. Um, then that starts making you feel even more sick. If you're seasick, that makes you dehydrated. Um, so there's lots of um, illness risks there with it. If you get an injury at sea, that's going to take a lot longer to heal. Um, so I've got quite a comprehensive medical kit on board with antibiotics and, and all kinds of things. I'm going to learn to sew myself up if I cut myself. <laughs> um, there's obviously then the dangers and risks from the weather. So if you've got bad weather and big waves, uh, potential for capsizing the boat. Um, capsizing is obviously quite dangerous because you could hurt yourself, fall out the boat. But the other risk is you're going to lose equipment overboard, so everything needs to be tied down. You really need to be on top of the housekeeping. If things are loose all around the place, then uh, you'll just lose stuff. I think what people maybe don't realise when you take on a task like that is not only do you have to be a rower and a good one at that, you have to be part doctor. If you've got to sew yourself up, you have to be a a housekeeper of extraordinarily organisational skills. And then you also need to have engineering experience as well. Absolutely. anything breaks and then that leaves you in a very precarious position. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. There's everything from top to bottom of that boat I need to know inside and out. So, it, yeah, it's not just a case of just rowing. Um, rowing's obviously a very, very big part of it, funny enough. Um, but, yeah, the top to bottom, inside and out, you need to know everything about that boat. Mm-hmm. Obviously got loads of spare parts on board as well, uh, toolkit. Um, yeah, if it, if it doesn't move and it's supposed to, hit it with a hammer. If it moves and it's not supposed to, stick it down with duct tape. <laughs> it will be a bit more comprehensive than that, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to be able to make sure everything on board is is you know how to how it works and how to fix it. You alluded to it before is trying to break the world record as well yes. uh, during this exhibition, which currently stands at forty nine days. I believe I'm right. Yeah. Um, does that serve as extra motivation for you, so that if the going does get tough, you still yes. have that time span in your mind to keep pushing you through? Yes, absolutely right. Yeah, I, I like to have goals. Um, but so obviously this just completing it is a massive goal in itself um but yeah if i've got that that time scale in mind and i'm starting to fall a bit behind a bit or or starting to wane in enthusiasm or because i'm sure 
rowing for 15 hours um, can get a bit monotonous. <laughs> when you're doing it day after day That's after right, day. yeah. Um, so it's good to have that little bit of extra motivation to go, oh, I'm only doing two and a half knots. If I row a bit faster or for, for a couple of hours longer today, I might get that extra bit of speed and, and get a little bit further. So, yeah, it's all part of the, the adding to it and, uh, and uh, yeah, mm. reaching that goal. So in terms of then the motivation, and I think a lot of people would be interested to know how your training regime goes leading up to a challenge like this. Yeah. And again, there must be times when you think, my God, what, I, I can't go any further, but something has to push you to keep yeah, going. Yeah, absolutely. So before I, I collected my boat at, at the end of May, um, and leading up to then, I was doing a lot of time in the gym, making sure the correct muscles were, were worked out and uh, starting to strengthen up. But since getting my boat, I literally spend every hour I possibly can rowing. Um, because not only does that build up the right muscles um, and get you to, you realise then where the aches and pains are and do I, I need a really big, massive seat cushion, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it gets to where the aches and pains are and what you need to work on more. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all been there as well. Um, yeah, training regime. Oh, that's right. That's where we were. I'd gone off at a tangent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not just about um, training, fitness training, it's about training your mind as well. So, for example, I did a, a five-hour row, well, it's probably more like eight hours in the end, um, and it was a lovely row um, to start with. I was with the tide, I was with the wind, I anchored up for lunch. It was, I thought, this is, this is beautiful. And then um, the tide had turned, so I picked anchor to, to row home. So I was with the tide, but now the wind was against me. And it took me three hours to row a stretch that took me about 25 minutes going the other direction. And you're so right. You think, I'm rowing for all my might, and I'm getting about half a knot of speed. And it does start to, to grind you down. But I just started to think to myself, well, if I stop rowing, then I'm going to be going backwards. So that's, that's even worse. But yeah, it's about training your mind to think, well, what's, what's going to give me the best outcome? What do I need to do to make this a better outcome? And, uh, and just work towards that. Um, so I got home in the end. <laughs> <laughs> that was your motivation. Was that to was get home. my motivation to get home. Yeah. Are then the mental side of things and the mental challenges arguably harder than the physical challenges i think possibly at some points i can i mean there's obviously going to be times where the weather's nice and everything the conditions are great it's just a case of you just need to be fit to carry on going but yeah there's going to be other times where you think i just want to get in the cabin and go to sleep but if you do that you'll end up going off course or you'll be going backwards or um yeah so there's going to be lots of times where mentally you need to be fitter than than physically mm -hmm. would you say you're a mentally strong person and have there been instances in your past where you know you've had to face tough times yeah and how have you batted those aside when I think they've I'm come up I'm quite mentally strong yeah I've had to deal um, through my line of work I've had to deal with um, some some pretty grueling situations some quite tough times and I'm quite good at um ordering things I think so I work out what's important what isn't important um, training kicks in a lot of the time as well um, 
So again, when, when I'm out of work, we've dealt with a lot of emergency situations and your training just kicks in. Um, so you, you do what needs to be done rather than sometimes what you, your head's telling you that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably set me in good stead for, for crossing the Atlantic as well. There's, when you're in bad weather and the boat's turning upside down, there's probably times where I'm going to think, I just want to tie myself down and, <laughs> and pretend <laughs> it's not happening. But my training will kick in and go, well, no, I need to contact this person or I need to ensure that the boat's set up correctly. And you just, yeah, just keep going. Yeah. Since you've touched on it there, we'll move on to that and your, your role um, in Essex Police and, and the maritime section of the police. Yeah. Are there a lot of transferable skills there Absolutely, from your job yeah. to what you can apply yeah. here? So I've, um, I joined the uh, Maritime Police 16 years ago um, and through doing that I've, I've now, I'm now um, one of the um, launch skippers. Um, I'm a yacht master, commercially endorsed yacht master and a yacht master instructor as well. So one of the things people um, need to learn for doing an ocean row is how to navigate. Well, I'm already an instructor in that, so that's set me in really good stead. Um, I know how to deal with emergency situations. We've been out to other people's May days. We've assisted people at sea. Um, obviously, the RNLI, your first port of call, but if we're out, then we'll assist as well. Um, we've been in some pretty rough um, weather conditions um, where you you uh, you want to panic, but you can't panic, and your your training kicks in. You make sure that all the equipment is strapped down or, or whatever it is that needs doing. Um, so I think that is going to put me. It, it's given me quite a lot of um, confidence, and it's given um, my friends and family confidence in what I'm doing because they know I know enough about it to not throw myself into it if I didn't think I was capable of doing it. Yeah, it strikes me as a job and a role which is very unpredictable but also quite exciting as well depending on what you get to do you never know what's going to happen so we could come on duty one day and there's no tasking so we're just going out on a routine patrol then an hour later there's a may day there's a medical situation or there could be any number of things we've got a 400 mile coastline that we cover and we deal with anything at sea that you'd expect land police to deal with um but on top of that, we're also enforcing bylaws and uh, assisting with my... So you just never know what you're going to end up doing from one day to the next. Exactly. But I suppose that unpredictability and being prepared for that unpredictability yes. as well will help you yes. when something you don't expect to come yes. arrives when you're doing the, the challenge itself. Yeah. Being able to deal with change and uh, being flexible, definitely key skills to be able to have to row an ocean. Yeah. In terms of the, the boat then that you're using to, to tackle the Atlantic, just describe to the listeners exactly what it's like because we've all, I suppose, we've seen it in pictures and things like that, but in terms of what's inside and yeah. what you have that you can use to your disposal. It's small. <laughs> <laughs> so the boat itself is... Cozy, um, I think. Cozy, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, 21 foot long, um, which when you're stood next to it, it looks quite big, but when you consider it in the middle of an ocean... It's, it's actually quite small, um, but it's small but perfectly formed, I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the equipment I need. So on board um, in the cabin, I've got a VHF radio, uh, which is connected to a chart plotter, uh, which in turn has got a uh, tracking system. So not only am I sending out a signal to uh, ships that could be um, 
in the Atlantic, uh, it's also I'm picking up their signal as well. So that's a, a collision avoidance uh, mechanism. So I can see where other ships are. Um, there's also on board a, uh, well, I'm going to have a satellite phone and GPS tracker. So people tuning in, they'll be able to follow me on my website, um, see whereabouts I am and if I'm uh, on track for the world record or not. Um, there's also solar panels which charge uh, two 12 volt batteries, uh, which in turn power all my electrics. Um, yeah, so there's a fair amount of technical equipment going on. Uh, also my water maker. Um, so I will be carrying a certain amount of fresh water um, just in case of emergencies, but day to day I'll be drinking water that's been sucked up from the sea, um, been desalinated, and then I'll drink it or wash with it. Or Obviously we're a few months away now from the actual start of the task, but have you considered just what it would be like to live on that boat which is a very confined space and it yeah. could begin to feel claustrophobic yeah um i've spent i actually love being on the boat it's mm -hmm. great if i've had a stressful day at work or or wherever um i'll get onto the boat and sometimes i just sit there for an hour and, and make sure my gadgets are in the right place <laughs> and uh, think where i'm going to put different things um it's so it's strangely for me quite a relaxing environment to be in that might probably will change about a thousand miles into it but um yeah i i quite like being in that kind of situation um yeah mm -hmm. and obviously the main point of all of this other than you know, i suppose proving to yourself that you can do this is obviously the fundraising aspect yes uh, and you're looking to raise one hundred thousand pounds to fund the campaign to make an impact on ocean plastic pollution yes. and obviously many of us will have seen Blue Planet, the documentary, as yeah. well as things like Sky News's ocean rescue campaign yeah. that they're running now. Just how grave is that issue of plastics in the ocean right now? It's it's really it's quite a big passion of mine, um, and now I've got a platform to be able to send this message out. Um, it's becoming even more of an impactive thing that I feel I need to to tell people about. Um, the Ella MacArthur Trust uh, released the fact that. If we don't stop what we're doing, by 2050, there'll be more weight of plastics in the ocean than fish. I mean, that's quite an incredible... It's not that far away. And what an incredible fact. It's, it's frightening. And obviously any rubbish being in the ocean is not good. Um, we, we shouldn't be putting anything in there that's, that's not supposed to be there. But plastics is a particular problem because it attracts um, toxins... Uh, the plastic breaks down into microplastics, that attracts toxins, fish and other sea life will then eat that and it's then getting into our food chain, other animals are eating, so whales will eat seabirds and, and fish, it, it's all, it doesn't matter where you live or where on the planet you are, you are affected by this problem, if you live in the middle of London, you are still affected by the problem of plastics in our ocean, so it's it's a worldwide issue that we need to deal with straight away. I presume the message you're trying to send as well is to change people's behaviour because it is so ingrained in yes. society, really. If you just pop to the supermarket and see how much yeah. plastic is wrapped around an item of fruit, for yeah. example, it's, it's a really big task to face. It's arguably bigger than the, the rowing challenge yeah. you set yourself. But is that something that 
you feel so passionately about it will drive you through even beyond once this challenge is done yes uh, what I'd like to do is after I've done the row is then use the boat so I can then take it round to other schools I'm doing schools talks at the moment but I think to be able to take a boat to say this has crossed the Atlantic hopefully fingers crossed this is a boat that's broken a world record then it gives a bit of a focal point for people to come and see me and then I can send this message out about single-use plastic. We've, we've just become a throwaway nation. You use a plastic straw. I think there's some fact like most single-use plastics are used for 90 seconds and then it goes into the trash. So you've used the straw, it goes in the bin, you've used the carrier bag to get it from your, the supermarket to the car and it's in the bin. Um, and as you said, fruit. Why are we wrapping fruit in plastic? It's got its own, it's got its own wrapper on it that nature gave it. Why are we wrapping it in plastic? It's, it's something as um, the public that I think certainly becoming, we're becoming more aware of. So if I was to choose um, an item in the shop, I'd choose the one not wrapped in plastic. But I think there needs to be more done further up because if those options are not available for us to buy, then you haven't got a choice. So I think there does need to be more done. And hopefully um, by raising my profile through doing this row, maybe I can become a bit more influential and, uh, and start looking at impacting it at a different level. Exactly. And you will be picking up pieces of plastic that you find along yes, the way. But of course yeah. it's not just exclusive to that because you've been doing bits and pieces like that in your police role as yeah. well and that are those images then because you were showing me pictures before we even started recording about what you'd found yeah off of south end beach yeah for example and it's arguably the images that are the most striking of all yeah it's well we collected um i think it was about 20 pieces of plastic in the space of about two hours off of south end the other weekend and it was all lilos beach balls stuff that I'm quite sure people have not deliberately Ooh. taken to the beach to throw into the sea um, but it's bit about being mindful about how we treat how we treat our beaches how we how we interact with nature um, yeah so it's I, th I do believe that most people are not just mindless trash throwing plastic in the sea um, but it's about mindfulness and about thinking about how we how we um, are consumers and how we treat our environment. Exactly, yeah. Another uh, interesting fact, I suppose, if you like, is um, that you are a former Chelmsford Rugby Club yes. player, um, hence why you're on this podcast, after all. <laughs> Being involved in a sport like rugby, firstly, what has that taught you? But also there's the teamwork aspect that probably will be alien to you now yeah that you're setting about this task on your own fully yeah. independently so every so i've been um involved in different sports um i've played hockey uh, um rugby was one of, or still is one of my passions i just don't play anymore getting a bit old for that <laughs> um they'll probably bring me out of retirement after this <laughs> um and the, the uh, club rowing i do that's the four per four people rowing in the boat so every sport I've been involved in has pretty much been a team event 
so I'm really used to working as a team, interacting with other people, um, working out how the, the team dynamics work. So to go from that to now doing something complete, I won't have a safety boat. I'm not going to have anybody on board with me. There's a, people who are going, well, there must be a camera crew to film it all. No, there isn't anybody. It's just me. If I call for help, I'm looking for about probably three days before a passing ship will come along. Um, yeah, so to go from teamwork to doing something independent is is yes yeah, quite a change of tack for me but it's something that I've taken on board as a as another part of the challenge it's something else to to strive towards to to achieve and uh, and I I know I can make it work because I've been doing it in my training so it's just taking that one step further yeah and it must be a little bit refreshing in that you don't effectively have to rely on anyone yeah. else the only hurdle is you essentially yeah that's right so for the last three years since I got involved in ocean rowing I've had the dream that I'm gonna I will row an ocean but I've always thought about who will I do it with what the would the team be and after speaking to Kiko and she obviously did it solo um, I started to realize actually I can do this on my own she inspired me to to be able to to do that um, yeah so it's definitely going to be a, a change of what I'm doing, but yeah. Absolutely. So whenever people do attempt something on the scale, we talked about the solo aspect, but there is always a support network yeah. of other people in the background helping you out. Yes. So who are the influences for you in this? Who's there to really push you when you need a little bit of support? Um, so my husband's really supportive, Jamie. Um he, um, people said, oh, what does he think about it? But I think he knows the skills that I've got. Um, so he's not worried in any way. He knows that I'm capable of doing it. Um, and he probably kind of thought if I say no, she'll go and do it anyway. So uh, he might as well get a <laughs> holiday out in Barbados out of it. <laughs> um, all my friends have been absolutely incredible. They're helping me um, to get uh, raffle prizes for fundraising events and, and setting up fundraising events as well, helping me organise things that I'm doing. Um, my family, my mum, if you bump into my mum, she will she will tell you all about it even if you don't want to hear about it anyone that will listen um and my dad's emailing people and uh, trying to get uh, raise more awareness um so my mum and dad are like my uh, main <laughs> they're out there telling the world they're the groupies uh, yeah there's posters going up everywhere um and I've also had a few people that um, I didn't know that well have come forward and said, I'd really like to get involved in this. Um, they're really passionate about um, plastics in the ocean. Um, didn't really know what they could do personally to help other than the obvious, like, don't buy, use plastic bags and don't use plastic straws. And they've seen my challenge and gone, wow, this is something I can help with and make a difference in. So there's people I've inspired in, in that way to just to come and help me organise this campaign and uh, hopefully raise some awareness and make a bit of a difference. That must be rewarding in itself as well. Yeah. Seeing, even before it's even happened, yes. seeing the impact that it's having on people. Yeah. And does that serve, again, we're going back to motivation again, but yeah. having those people knowing that they're cheering you on back yes. home again to keep you pushing yeah. when the going gets tough. And I think most people can rely on their friends and family to help cheer them along anyway, no matter what they're doing. But to have um, some, like a lady called Anita, she, she got in touch with me. I, I'd met her before. I, I, we knew of each other. 
but she said what you're doing is amazing and I, and and she contacted me at just the right time because I was getting to the stage where I thought I've run out of contact I still need a couple more sponsors um, I'm running out of contacts there's so many only so many times you can speak to people in your own community uh, before they get bored of you asking <laughs> for money or selling them bamboo toothbrushes or whatever it is so she brought a real new lease of life to the to the campaign and um kind of made me feel it, there's other people that are, that want to get on board with this it's not just just me saying this is what i'm going to do there's other people wanting to get involved so yeah it gave me a real real boost of morale and um, to get a contact like that it was just great yeah yeah absolutely now we'll finish off because there is a GoFundMe page yes. uh, and we'll put the link in the show notes for any listeners who might want to contribute to what you're doing thank you um, so where else can people go to support you but also to follow your journey when it gets underway so my campaign is called Row Aurora and Aurora I chose that because uh, my name's Dawn and Aurora is Latin for Dawn which there I only found out, um, yeah, I was trying to think of a campaign name, so that would match perfectly. Um, so if you put in Google Dawnwood uh, Row Aurora or Dawnwood Ocean Rowing, all, most of my links should come up. Um, but I've got a Facebook page, um, uh, facebook.com forward slash Row Aurora. Um, I've got a um, website, which is www.rowaurora.co.uk. Um, Twitter is the other way round, strangely, so it's Aurora, lower slash row. Um, yeah, so if you type my name in, Ocean Rowing or Row Aurora, most of my links should come up that way as well. Perfect. So if any listeners uh, want to follow your journey, because it's going to be one hell of a journey, oh, yeah. um, that's where they can go, and um, you'll be posting updates and yes, things like that. Yeah. So people can Even Mid-Atlantic, I'm going to be able to send uh, emails and some real basic photographs back, so I'm going to have somebody uh, keeping my... Uh, all my social media up to date so even when I'm Atlantic you'll be able to follow my journey perfect and with that me crying yeah. and <laughs> smiling smile all the way through <laughs> <laughs> and with that yeah we better finish up this episode of the podcast and thank you once again for thank taking you so time much out. for having me yeah and uh, sharing your mind-boggling <laughs> incredible <laughs> that's challenge that's a good description yeah <laughs> so yeah we obviously look forward to seeing um, what happens and you'll have to check back in with us brilliant once you've absolutely actually Across the Atlantic yes. and see if that world record has been broken at the end of it. Fantastic. So, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you. Follow Essex Live on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram, or go to our website, EssexLive.news.